0: All right, good morning. How are we doing today <clears throat> my uh, my throat hurts. Um, I have a little bit of a cold, um, but my son's playing basketball my oldest son, and uh I'm a yeller if you don't know that about me yeah i so at every tournament. My son's been in, which is, this is like the sixth or seventh. I apologize to the people around me for being so loud. I'm not, I'm not joking. It's totally sincere. Like, I'm sorry, (laughs) but I'm so loud. I asked Caden yesterday, like, do you only hear me? Like, am I the only one yelling? He's like, yeah, it kind of seems like it. I'm like, oh, crap. Anyway, he scored 33 points yesterday. Yeah. So I was, oh, I'm sure I was so embarrassing. So anyway, uh, and like, At, like, 20 points, I'm realizing, like, I'm preaching tomorrow. i got to have a voice. So I clapped louder. Anyway, it was fun. Uh, So we're in Exodus chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole thing uh, just just so we get the bird's eye view uh, of what's going on. And and it's kind of long. It's 31 verses. So uh, please do your best to track with me here. Um, And if it's helpful, like, for you to close your eyes and and just picture what's going on in the story, that's great. Um, but, But... Let's, let's read this together. I think it will be on the screen for you as well. It says, Then Moses answered, um, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. He said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, maybe they will believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you will do all these signs. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey, and he went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, so let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood, because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent to him to speak, And all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all of the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Let's pray. Lord, would you open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your words so that we can hear from you, so that we can, we can learn from you, God, so that we can be transformed more into the people that you want us to be. Holy Spirit, we need you to be our teacher. God, would you would you use this time, Lord, to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So I want to get the weird part out of the way, verses 24 through 26, so it doesn't derail us. And I, I realize that I, I encourage you to close your eyes and picture the story. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, so let this, though, be a lesson to all of you uncircumcised Gentiles, okay? Uh, this is, it's a weird story. We're not given much detail. Um, in Scripture, we trust that God, God has put what we need in in there um as much or as as little as we need so there there are some things that that we uh that we do know um in this it says that God sought to kill him. I'd always assumed that the hymn was Moses, but uh, scholars disagree whether the hymn is Moses' son or if it's Moses. We, we don't even know which, which person God was after to kill. Um, Zipporah, wife of Moses, not a Jew, right? So, this whole circumcision thing, if you've never even heard of like God's people getting circumcised, it was something that God commanded uh, all, all the boys. Eight days into life, they get circumcised. This was a this is a, a an outward um, physical thing that 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 set set his people apart. That, that show like these are my people. And and then later in scripture, God's going to say, I, I don't just want this outward obedience. Like I want your hearts to be circumcised. So um so she's foreign to the, this whole thing. Um and yet she knew exactly what to do. Um when 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 God sought to kill him, um, she. She rushed over and did the circumcision. So clearly there had been conversations, right? I don't know if Moses is like, so honey, my, uh, my people back home, we do this thing to our, first, or to our, our boys' foreskin. Um, what do you think about that? You know, I don't know how that conversation went down. But they had conversations. There's a lot of speculation that, um, that maybe Zipporah is like, that's weird. We're not doing that. And Moses just said, okay, fine. Like he didn't push it. Um, but... Um, but we do know that, that this was disobedience, that, that Moses did not obey God in this. Um, so there are some things that, that I think we can take away from this that are, uh, that are important. Um, so why is this here? Commentators disagree, but, but one thing that's for sure is Moses had undealt with sin. Um, it, our, our sin's a big deal. Uh, and, and when we let sin fester, when we try to ignore it, or when we even entertain it, um, it, it, it becomes a, a big problem um, it, it, it's it becomes painful, messy. In this case, even it, it, the result was it, it was bloody, right? Like it was it was a big deal to let this sin fester. So we need to make sure like, if you're entertaining sin right now, right? And, and all of us sin. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you know when we when we just continue to to play with that sin and dabble in that sin, it's not good. Like, think of this poor son, right? Like, he's not a little kid when this happens, okay? Moses has been out there 40 years. He's probably 30-something, okay? Mom comes over and circumcises you, which is plenty awkward enough. But, man, the pain, the trauma, the trauma that this guy experienced, if that would have happened when he was eight days old, literally would not even remember it, right? Let's not mess with sin. So we're done with that, okay? Okay. so we jump into to chapter four here, and, and uh, if you weren't here last week, Gary talked about the burning bush. Uh, you know, God God meets Moses, um, and he he says uh, he says, "You will tell Israel that I am has sent you." Right, like God gives his personal name. He says that, that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, I have sent you to them. I have seen how Egypt has mistreated you, and I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to take you out of this place. I'm going to bring you to an awesome land. And he tells Moses, Israel's going to believe you. Pharaoh is not going to believe you. So I will do these signs and these wonders. I'm going to demonstrate my power. I'm going to glorify myself. And it's going to come to the point where the Egyptians are going to be so ready for you to leave that they are going to give you their goods, right? They're going to give you gold and silver and jewelry. It will be as if you plundered them. That's how That's how ready they're going to be for you to get out of here. So, uh, so we jump into one. Moses answered, But behold, They will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. So I do this all the time. When I'm about to walk into a hard conversation, an argument, a confrontation, I play it out in my brain. I don't know how many of you do this, but I imagine. Okay, I'm going to say this, and then the rebuttal is going to be this. I go back and forth, and if you see me doing it, like I'm not talking out loud, but my mouth's moving, and it, I look probably a little crazy. Um, Moses, he's playing out what's going to happen here, right? And he's saying, "No way!" And and I think there's legitimate fear for for uh, the. the that it's based in fear. Um, 40 years ago, um, when he was back in in Egypt, he was all gung-ho to to save this one Israelite that was getting oppressed by an Egyptian and, and he kills the, the Egyptian and, and, and he's now a wanted man. right? And The next day, um, Moses, I'm sure he remembers, the next day in Exodus 2.14 he sees two Israelites fighting and he goes in and tries to break it up and make peace and one of them, one of them says, who made you the prince and the judge? He knows that God's people have been waiting 430 years for God to show up. So I can imagine that that they might be skeptical. Like I I think his fears are are legitimate. Um, But God's so good. He meets us right in our fears, right? He meets us right in the, the excuses and the fears that we make. Verses 2 through 9, just, just because it's a long passage, I'm just going to talk you through it. So, so God, God says, take that staff that's in your hand and, and throw it down. And it becomes a snake. And Moses runs away, which I would do the exact same thing. And then God says, go grab that snake by the tail. And, and he does it, and it becomes a staff again. And he says that they may believe the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. But he says, but if, if, if they don't believe that, okay, put your hand in your cloak, right? And he puts his hand in, brings it out, and it's, it's leprous, right? This, this nasty skin disease. And then God says, put it back in, pulls it back out. It's totally restored. He says, they may not believe the first one. But, but maybe they'll believe the second. He says, if they don't, then, then take water from the Nile. And, and Pastor Gary told us a couple of weeks ago, the Nile River um, to the Egyptians, like this was a God, like this brought them life. So he says, you, you go take that thing that they think is a God. You, you, you get that water and you pour it out. And it, it's going to turn into blood on the dry ground. So God is so good to meet Moses right in his fears. 410. But Moses says, to the Lord. Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. So Moses, he makes this this excuse. I'm not I'm not good at speaking. Man, I've always related to this story. I think I might relate to this story more than any other story in scripture. Like I've spent so so much of my life as a Christian, afraid, afraid of like what God's asking me to do. And and I've just made excuse after excuse after excuse. But man, God, he meets us in those excuses. Like God is so gracious to do that. Can you imagine if we never did the things that we're afraid of? Right. Not only would I not be married, I never would have talked to a girl. I was way too scared. Right. Like some. Middle school boys or some boys that just had it, oh man, the only girl I talked to is my mom <laughs> uh, i, I don 't know if I would have gone to college like i was I was pretty freaked out to go to college um, i, I don 't know that I ever would have gone to a job interview i don 't know if job interviews would exist if we if we never did the things that we were afraid of. Um, I never would have agreed to having kids right like there 's a lot of fear or there should be in in like bringing life. Um, some of you never would have driven a car, right? If you, if, if you wouldn't have done the stuff that you're afraid of. But God, He's so good to us, right? He, he doesn't just let us sit and, and fester in, in our fears, but He meets us in them and he, and he helps us through them. Verse 11 says, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? Or seen, or blind—is it not I, the Lord? God reminds Moses that, that that he he's the designer of his mouth, of his vocal cords. But we're really great at coming up with all the reasons that we can't, that we shouldn't do the thing that God is is calling us into. And we pile up those reasons, and we design these these giant, intricate walls that that are—they seem impenetrable. They're high and, and they're thick. And yet they still don't compare to God and how, how awesome he is, how powerful he is. We, we do our, our best with our excuses and our reasons and our fears to run away. And Moses tries to tell the God that designed his mouth that he can't speak, which is pretty silly. But we're experts at doing the exact same thing. All right, we tell God, you've got, you've got the wrong person. Like I, I, cannot, I can't trust you through, through this sickness or, or I can't leave this job. I mean, I can see what you want me to do there, and that's great. I think it's a decent plan, but I can't afford the pay cut. Or God, I'm, I'm rooted in this place. Like, I know this place. I have relationships here that I, I think you're using. Like, it's scary over there. I can't I can't leave here. Or God, that, that plan is good, but but I have a 10-year plan, and it doesn't fit with that. God, you can't be asking me to sacrifice this thing that I've worked so hard for. Like We're so good at telling God all the reasons that we can't do that. And God's so good at reminding us that he's the one that's with us. Verse 12, he says, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. He doesn't just say, I will be with you. And he's already said that multiple times to Moses. But he says, I'm going to be with your mouth. I've never noticed that before. He says, I'm going to be with your mouth. The very thing that you are so afraid of, the excuse that you have, I'm going to meet you in that and be present with you. And I will teach you what to speak. And God is so good, he doesn't call us to do something without being with us and providing for us exactly what we need. I think it's good to think through, like, generically, fears that, that you might have. And I hope, I hope that, that you're able to identify, like, yeah, I, I do this with God. But I also think we need to, we need to think about, like, Moses, when we're afraid to speak on behalf of God. Um, because, I, God has, has told us, like, you are to be my representatives. First Peter 2 9, I think we'll have it on the screen here. I hope. Uh, maybe not, uh, but you are a chosen race. There we go. You are a chosen race. Uh, you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood, right? And and priest. Just think very simply. A priest is is someone that represents. God to man and man to God, right? The go-between, right? And and, and Scripture tells us, like, Jesus' people, like, we we are priests, right? So it says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are supposed to tell people, we're supposed to proclaim how excellent God is, how amazing God is, and, and not, that, not just that God is awesome, but that God has saved us, right? That God has healed us, that God has brought us out of darkness into light, that God has reconciled us, that God has redeemed us. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not saying... That we need to become street preachers. In fact, if any of you comes up to me and says, "I want to be a street preacher," I will do everything I can to help you not become one. Um, and, and by that, I mean the people that are just out shouting uh, on the corners that that we need to repent. But I'm a, I think that we swing so far the other way that we say almost nothing, and we leave it to the evangelists, right, or the pastors, or the elders, the super the super brave spiritual people. Um, that are actually just as afraid as you are. Um, we, we need to be ready to speak words that proclaim how great God is, that, that life is in Jesus. And I think some of us, maybe many of us, dream that, that we might live such a good life that, that someone will take notice of that and, and turn to us and ask why we're different. And then that will be our signal that we now get to share the gospel. And, and I'm sure that that probably has happened a little bit. Uh, I've heard that story before, um, that, that, that someone looked at someone's life and just said, man, you're so different. What's going on? And then they take that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Um, but man, I, I think we need to be a lot more bold than that, right? Like, I don't think that happened in the book of Acts. Um, they were bold. They, they went for it. Um, I have been guilty of... Of just saying little things like to, to someone that doesn't know Jesus and I, I know they're going through a hard time and I say ah oh, praying for you and I am praying it's not like I'm not praying but I say I'm praying for you hoping that this little subtle thing will crack open the door and they'll say oh tell me about this Jesus that you pray to now like maybe that could happen um, I did have a neighbor one day we we're going on a walk and he just asked me to explain the gospel right out of nowhere, or to me, out of nowhere. It's the only time that's ever happened to me. Every other time, I've shared the gospel with someone. Like I've had to be bold and brave, and and and, and not not be a coward at all. I also think that um, we can't just generically talk about God, like. The word God, the name God, is still okay in our culture, right? Like athletes, um, uh, music artists, like after a performance, they can thank God, and that's not offensive. The name of Jesus is offensive, right? It it, it stirs the pot. It makes people uncomfortable. Um, saying, talking about Jesus is not safe, and yet we need to do that because Jesus is the only way to the Father. And I even think about here um, at church, right, um most of us here know Jesus like i hope that there's some people here that you're checking Jesus out you're trying to figure out if you're going to follow him and i pray that someday you will but for the most part like most of us know Jesus like this is a safe place we can say Jesus and not be afraid and 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 yet i wonder like matt kind of joked about it during during the greeting time like do we just talk about the weather right like do i just bring up the blazers or or the stock market or or, or are we ready to remind each other about how awesome God is, right? Like I, I think um, I think we're so afraid of, of feeling awkward or, or, or we don't want to be vulnerable. I don't know what it is, but man, we, we need, like Moses, like we need to be ready to speak on behalf of God. Let's get back into this. Verse 13, but he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. So God's already met him in his his excuses and his fears. And now Moses is just being disobedient. Like God has met him with with everything that he needs. Verse 14 says, Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. So so God says, okay, fine, I'm, I will give you Aaron, right? It, it was going to work this way, God was going to speak to Moses. Moses was going to speak to the people. Now God says, okay, I'll speak to you, Moses. Moses, you speak to Aaron. Aaron's your mouthpiece, right? Um, I'm so glad that God didn't just say fine and move on from Moses because Moses would have missed out on so much. Uh, in middle school, I thought it was a good reason to join. or I thought it was it was good for me to join the wrestling team, right? Which... I carry a little bit extra now. I carried a lot extra then. So I don't know how I thought like getting in a singlet <laughs> was a good idea. Um, and, and on top of my incredible physique, um, I was not a good wrestler. <laughs> like I, I really stunk at it. Um, I was not aggressive enough. I wasn't strong enough. I honestly have no idea why I did the sport, but I did it for two years. Well, anyway, uh, when you lose a lot, You don't like it, right? And I kept losing and losing and losing. And in fact, I was nowhere near winning, ever. Um, And one day, I had my my wrestling shoes. I got them out of my locker. School was done. And I decided, I'm done with wrestling. And I walked home. And I walked in the door. And my dad was there. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I quit wrestling. And essentially, he said, no, you didn't. (laughs) got me in the car, we went back. right? And then I tried to come up with some cruddy answer to my coach, like why I was 40 minutes late. And he made me do 40 minutes more of working out. Um, And then the next day I had a match. It was the only match I won that year. And wow. Um, I'm so glad my dad didn't let me quit. I totally would have missed out. and, And I know that's a small, small thing, but man, I wonder if Moses, like, did he think back? at points through this journey that are coming up. Like, like when he's walking through the Red Sea, you just go, "Oh my gosh, I almost blew it." Or, or, or one of the times when when he like left the Tent of Meeting, right, which is where he spoke with God face to face. Did he leave and go? I can't believe I almost turned this job down, man. I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to miss out. And I know that I have missed out because sometimes God does let us walk away from stuff, right? God does let us say no. Like, there's stuff my dad let me not do. That day he didn't. And there's days where God will let you say, I'm not going to do that. Like, he's not going to make us do everything. But man, we miss out on so much. I know I've missed out. Like, I've been so content into buying into believing my fears and my excuses. Moses was content with with less than what God had for him. He was content to live in the desert, right, where where he had roots for 40 years that that had been established. He was content being a shepherd. Are we satisfied with the safety and the, the security of the place that we've made home? Are we going to settle for less than what God has for us? Verses eighteen through twenty, Moses goes and he uh, he talks to his father in law Jethro and and he he says, "Hey, can I go back home and check on my brothers? I want to make sure they're still alive." Which is not the full story, which makes you think that he probably still like really doubted that God was actually going to do what he was going to do. But Moses heads down with his family. with his kids. In verse 20, it's not up on the screen, but in verse 20, uh, it says Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and he went back to the land of Egypt. And then it says, and Moses took the staff of God in his hand, right? And this this staff, he was a shepherd, like this staff was an everyday tool for him, right? Something that he used all the time. I don't know, maybe it'd be the equivalent almost to your, your, your smartphone or something like that, right? Like used it all the time. And, and it, was, it helped him like fight away, you know, animals that were after his sheep. It helped him in all kinds of circumstances. And, and God, God met him with that. And he said, I'm going to use that. And now this staff isn't, it's not just Moses' staff. It's, it's the staff of God in his hand. Verse, uh, verse 21 The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Um, uh, That should, like when you hear that God's hardening Pharaoh's heart, a normal response is, wait, what is going on there? Um, And we're going to... We're going to talk, I mean, this happens over and over again, this hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And there's sometimes when it's God and sometimes when it's Pharaoh. Um, but but, but I think we need to wrestle through, like, what does this mean that God's hardening Pharaoh's heart? So I'm going to show you a quick video clip. It's like two minutes. Um, it's from a, a group called The Bible Project, which is out of Portland. Um, the guy behind it is a professor at Western Seminary. Anyway, this is just a short section um, that, that he does a really good job of at least um, kind of getting us into the hardening of Pharaoh's heart.
1: To release the Israelites. And God says that He knows Pharaoh won't possess, and so He will bring His judgment on them to the next But Then God also says that He will pardon Pharaoh's heart. And so we're introduced to the next main part of the story the confrontation between God and Pharaoh. Now, what does this mean that God says He'll pardon Pharaoh's heart? It's super important to read this section of the story really closely. In Moses and Pharaoh's first encounter, we're told simply that Pharaoh's heart grew hard. There's no implication of God in anything. And so, in response, God sends the first seven five plagues. Each one confronted Pharaoh and one of his Egyptian God. And each time, Moses offers a chance for Pharaoh to humble himself and to let the Israelites go. But after each plague, we're told that Pharaoh either hardened his heart or that his heart grew hard. He's doing this at the and so eventually it's with the second set of five floodings that we begin to hear how God Pharaoh's love. So the point of the story seems to be this even though God knew that Pharaoh would resist his will, God still offered him all these chances to do the right thing. But eventually, Pharaoh's evil reaches a point of no return. I mean, even his own advisor's think that he's lost. And it's at that point that God takes over and bends Pharaoh's evil towards his own
0: all right um those videos are great if you go to if you just google um the Bible project. I think it'll get you there. Uh, but they have tons of videos that, that are really, really helpful in explaining um, both overviews of books, but also themes and scriptures. And uh, I mean, they're incredibly gifted um, in, in their wordsmiths and, well, and artists. Um, so anyway, check that out. But um, so we'll get more into Pharaoh as we go here. But, but I would encourage you like look into this yourself, like wrestle through this. You know, Jesus told us to love Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think a lot of times we're pretty lazy with loving God with our minds. So um I, I would encourage you to, to wrestle through that. But let's get back into this, though. So verse 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I will say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. And that can seem really harsh, but we've got to remember that, uh, how many firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, fourthborn Israelite sons were killed by, by Egypt. So um, uh, God, is, God is just. Um, Exodus 4.27. Um, the Lord said to Aaron, go to the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard the Lord had visited the people of Israel, that he'd seen their affliction, they bowed their heads in worship. We're going to worship. I'm going to have the band come up now, while I wrap things up. Um, and we're going to worship. Like it is, it's appropriate to to worship as as we've thought about some of our fears, maybe about some of the things that God God might be calling us into, or maybe it's maybe it's sin that, that we've been playing around with. Um, we're going to worship. We're going to sing some songs. We we have a communion table on on each side of the room. Um, and we encourage you at any point during these songs to go up and uh, take a piece of uh, of the cracker and, and dip it in the uh, in the juice. Uh, the the cracker represents Christ's body broken for us. The juice represents His blood. I would encourage you don't rush through this. Like go up and get it. You can go by yourself, with friends, family, whatever. But you can take it back to your seat and just take your time and and thank God. Um, thank God that that. In, a, in another way, he he he's met us right where we are. He's met our excuses and our fears. Um, anyway, so so Moses comes and he talks, or Aaron talks um, with the the elders of Israel, and they have the opposite reaction of Moses. It says they believed, right? like they they believed everything that was told to them. They believed that that God had shown up. That God had. Um, appeared to his people, visited his people, that he'd seen their affliction. Moses didn't have faith. He didn't trust what God had said. And yet the elders of Israel, they saw the signs, they heard the words, and they believed. But it can be really hard to believe, right? It's really hard sometimes to trust that that God is going to do what he's promised. There's a story in, in Mark chapter 9 um, one of my favorite stories in the gospel. Um, I've got to tell it really quickly, though. Um, this guy comes to Jesus. He wants Jesus to heal his son, um, and uh, so he he believes that Jesus can do that. And uh, he's talking, and 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 he kind of has a Freudian slip, and and he he says, "If you can," to Jesus, and, and Jesus is like, "Whoa, if I can." <laughs> All is possible for those who believe. And the guy responds. He says, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And the first time that that hit me, I was so thankful. Because I wondered, like, am I the only Christian that has a hard time believing sometimes that God really is as powerful as he says? Like, I got it right here. But, man, sometimes right here it's so hard for me to believe and trust. So I pray that all the time. Like, I pray, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And maybe, maybe that's exactly what you need today. Like I, I believe God that you can heal me from this sin that I'm just stuck in. This thing that that I'm addicted to. Help me in my unbelief. Or, or I believe that you can fix the brokenness in my family or in this relationship. Help me in 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 my unbelief. We're, we're gonna sing and and just proclaim about how awesome God is and Sherry I don't know if you can do that song that we did earlier I've never heard that song the last song we did before the sermon but I think that the bridge especially just so connects to this passage so I just threw her a curveball and we'll see what happens but let's uh let's worship